Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. You're about to listen to a chunk of a special podcast, Usman Dembele, The Anatomy of a Transfer. This section runs to around 15 minutes. And in it, Graham reflects on how close Manchester City came to signing the Frenchman as a teenager. The full show runs to 50 minutes and includes Graham's analysis of how the deal between Dortmund and Barca went down this summer and how the 20-year-old will adapt to life at the camp now. To find out how you can enjoy the full version and over 8.5 hours of content provided for our socios in the month of August, head to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Now, here's Graham. Welcome to a special programme which we have called, imaginatively, Anatomy of a Transfer. And this is where we're going to look at the deal that took Usman, or Uz, as he's known now, Dembele, from Borussia Dortmund to Football Club Barcelona. So, Graeme, this special edition is built around a concept that me, you and Neil discuss quite a lot, which is doing a forensic analysis of a particular subject. So, in this case, we're looking at a particular transfer. Usman Dembele to Barcelona for a fee of £96 million, rising to £135 million. We thought this was a good one to focus on because we've heard you talk a lot about the player over the past couple of years. We know you've followed his progress really closely and we just thought it'd be interested to start off, first of all, learning a bit about his background. So, in terms of the first time you heard his name when he came on your radar, what what's your memories of that? What I got told, um, first of all, was that this was an extraordinary talent. He was described as a winger to me. I mean, at that stage, it was uh, this 14-15 season. It was in uh, 2015, but it was during season 14-15. And he was still playing for the youth team in Rennes, which is in Brittany, north of France. Maybe not traditionally an absolute stronghold of League One football, but nonetheless very well run, very well managed. And in their youth system, they, they had this kid who, who'd been there by the time I heard of him, maybe three and a half years. He was signed aged 13. And he, as I said, he was described as a winger. And the reason he came to my attention was I knew that aged 16-ish, he was already attracting... I didn't know that even at that stage he was attracting the interest of Borussia Dortmund and that they would triumph. But he was such a special player that he'd been on the radar of Manchester City and with the knowledge of Wren, who were already seeing him as somebody who 
was so good that they wouldn't be able to retain him for a long time. And therefore, instead of trying to put a four or five year shackle, golden shackle deal around him, they were weighing up the best way for this kid to, to make them lots of money, whether it be before he reached their first team or after a season or two of their first team. And he travelled to Manchester City at least twice. This was at a time when Patrick Vieira, instead of being in charge of New York City, was still in charge of relationships with particularly French-speaking clubs and agents and um, young footballers. And the idea was that the, the presence of Vieira in the talks between City and, and Dembele would be influential. And, and what I was told was that it, it should have been a shoe-in for Manchester City. But instead, some things about the visits that um, that the belly had to City, and to be honest, I think potentially it was Vieira himself who kind of spoke from on high, World Cup winner, legitimately a legend of French football, with this kid who, even though Dembele is not big-headed, he's not carried away with himself, he has a very clear idea, I think about two things, one about how hard he's had to work to be this good and two the fact that he is, he's all he's known for a very long time at least that he has been gifted world class talent and it's my understanding that he didn't particularly thrive on the, the type of discussion that he had with Vieira and that Manchester City and Vieira both looked at the price that was being talked about then as of about 7 or 8 million euros for this kid in inverted commas rather than this extraordinary talent you know it's it's how you describe it that they shied away and felt Ren will come back to us his agent will come back to us Us will come back to us because we are City I'm Patrick Vieira and instead what happened was Borussia Dortmund were very clear about his ability very clear about how much they wanted him and they signed him that's now well known after one year um, of playing League One and the French Cups uh, with with Ren doing well scoring 12 goals but standing out for living up to his promise, living up to the kind of uh, threat that he seemed to offer. That was the point at which, after single years' um, success with Wren, the other clubs who were then still trying for him, City included, um, Barcelona included, they, they, they were caught short by the decisiveness of Michael Zork's organisation in scouting and recruitment at Bush Dortmund. I think the, the, the going back to the city stuff. I think the dynamic on both sides seems to be quite interesting. Perhaps on Dumbelli's side, um, he's not completely won over by how the discussions go. But also, City are maybe slightly non-committal. Is that is that a fair reflection? I think it's common in very big clubs that there can be a. Well, listen. First of all. If you ask three different people who work for the same club in the same area of recruitment, be that scouting, whether it be statistical analysis and whether it be head of recruitment, let's take those as three examples, all working nominally in the same department for the same club. It's my experience that 90% of the time you'll get three pretty varied opinions. It's an extreme rarity that given the long checklist of things that a club wants to know during recruitment, um, quality of player, durability of player, athleticism of player, uh, which foot, how old, what kind of family background, what kind of professional behaviour, ability to change culture, ability to change language. 
type of agent, how many agents, overall cost, bonuses, wage packet, uh, thank you payment to agent, cost to buy, add-ons. That's probably, I've only listed maybe, let's say, 60% of what criteria a serious uh, recruitment club will want to know. And therefore you get, sometimes, I mean, it varies so much. Sevilla will take the opinion of up to eight different people within the network, repeatedly watching a player over a year, two years, giving him a sort of ABC reference, A, sign immediately, B, interesting, C, monitor, or D, forget. And they'll they'll meet monthly to assess weekly reports. And those weekly reports will add up to a number of A's and B's and C's. And as soon as there's a couple of D's, that player's off the list. And Sevilla will say, if by the end of six months we're getting a lot of A's, <laughs> then we start acting. We, we don't mess around anymore. We simply act. So they try to accept the human factor in that they'll reach out for quality people throughout their recruitment. But they've tried to reduce the, the factor I'm talking about, which I think happened at City, which was disparity of opinion, disparity of experience. And they've tried to make it a numeric, make it an equation. Now, at City, my understanding is that the scout who'd seen Dembele most was the clearest about this is an A, must sign. And others in the network, including Vieira, but not exclusively him, were like, we are Manchester City. We are rich. We are ambitious. We'll work. We are well organised. We are replete with... Brahim is an example. Brahim, they took a slightly younger stage from Malaga's youth setup, and they did that deal in the blink of an eye with Malaga protesting. And I think that does condition a club and a head of recruitment or those who work within recruitment, ambassadors, people who are the persuaders. Um, it's a role that Zidane had at Real Madrid without being head of recruitment. He was the guy sent to, to persuade and help recruit Mbappe when he was 14, we're talking about 2013. And, and at that stage, until Zidane became assistant to Ancelotti, that was going very well. It's a similar role that Vieira had. And it, in fact, what happened was, I think that a mixture of, we can afford to wait, that price is high. Those who believed most were at the bottom of the decision chain rather than the top. It's, it's commonplace that, that, that things like this can slip through you. For heaven's sake, Yaya Turi had a trial at Arsenal and was turned down. Arsenal sent <laughs> their their French-based scout to go and look at uh, Kante playing. And the report came back and it's it's up on a wall with the, the stamp not good enough for Arsenal on it. These kind of mistakes happen. Yeah. I mean, um, I, I, th- I think it's, for, for me this is really fascinating and I think this is part of the reason why we wanted to do an episode like this, a kind of anatomy of a transfer, because I think it's easy from the outside looking in to see these scenarios in quite black and white terms, you know, ascribing blame, a club missed out on this player, um, whereas the way you're describing it there, there's so many different permutations involved. Really interested in your take on the severe stuff, where they've tried to create a culture almost that assimilates all these different factors. I mean, you listed so many, there's probably as many again that go into the, this type of decision-making process. It's an incredibly um, 
actually incredibly scientific process by the sound of it. I think so, and I think that one of the ways that it's become apparent is that if you can identify the most common reasons for a good deal when you early spot a player, if you're going to find, if you can identify the most common reasons for that deal to fall down, cultural misunderstanding, linguistic misunderstanding, differences of opinion within the food chain at the, cl- at the club that's spying and buying, if you can identify the, those and, and begin to eliminate them by either repetition of viewing a player or by understanding that if a player is represented by a particular agent, then irrespective of the talent, then you already know it's going to be a, a, a negotiation which is inflated, overly public and, and hostile, but uh, polemic. And, and if you can identify um, the type of problems which are almost certain to emerge and then find uh, algorithms, whether they be human or statistical, um, audiovisual, that allow you to bypass those problems, then fewer of the deals would would fall down. And one of the ideas that I think is absolutely fundamental is that the club has a philosophy of how they want to play. And if there's a disparity of opinions about a particular footballer, be he 16, 17, 18, or indeed 25, if there is an absolute clarity, a Bible of how to play, which obviously there was a stage at which Barcelona had, um, there was a stage when Sevilla most definitely had, and that that playing system will, that philosophy, that idea of how a team's going to play will be, first of all, the manager will be, the coach will be hired based on that. But secondly, if the coach um, is about to change, you know that your next coach will be hired on the basis that sticks to the original philosophy, then your buying becomes easier. You're not suddenly doing what Barcelona did this season, which was try all season for try for weeks and weeks for Verratti and be absolutely clear he was the one they needed and then when he's impossible to buy fill that position with Paulinho which is the type of vault fast that under Monchi's system at Sevilla wouldn't have taken place anyway to, to focus on what you're talking about I liked what you said because if I didn't make it clear I do agree with what you said that there are there are an, a wide range of ways in which a deal like this can be well well spotted, well embarked on, uh, and and then fall down. And that while blame isn't what it, it, the best way to explain it, you do have to learn from it. You must make sure that that's not a repetitive occurrence because then then you do look for blame. And City haven't been repeatedly bad at that. They've been repeatedly good at that. And I think there was a culmination of misunderstanding, ambivalence and and a little bit of complacency in this instance. To hear Graham's take on the behind-the-scenes politics which eventually took Dembele to Barca this summer and how he will fit into Valverde's team this season, go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. That's where you can sign up to become a socio and receive ad-free versions of everything we produce. So far in August, that's been over eight and a half hours of content and on September the 1st, we'll be releasing an exclusive big interview with Ledley King, Socios Only. Head to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter now.